afternoon. You are listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and podcasting on Spotify and iTunes. I'm Kareem Mosna. Welcome to our new time slot for The Scoop, Wednesdays at 5 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. In addition to the new time slot, a new format for The Scoop, as you will hear some more voices from the CFRC team. Coming up in this edition, the events calendar, roads and weather report, a conversation with Charlotte Gagné, program coordinator with the Agnes Etherington Arts Centre, and Campus Corner. But first up, some updates from last night's Kingston City Council meeting. Council approved a plan to transfer up to $50,000 from its affordable housing capital subsidy budget to Providence Village Incorporated to look at the possibility of creating the new community housing hub, Providence Commons. The hub would take the space currently occupied by the long-term care home Providence Manor, who will relocate to 1200 Princess Street. The funding would go towards studies and would enable access to pre-development funding from the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation. Council also authorized the contract with Solacom Technologies Incorporated to provide next-generation 911 services with Kingston Police and Kingston Fire and Rescue Services. Next-generation 911 is a mandatory replacement of the current enhanced 911 service, which is mandated to be decommissioned across Canada by 2025. Council deferred a motion to look at options to change how the Kingston Area Taxi Commission is licensed and regulated. The options on the table were to continue to support the current commission or to withdraw from it and transition oversight services to the city. Earlier this month, the Kingston Economic Development Corporation welcomed delegates from 12 European and Asian countries for a two-day visit. I spoke with Abdul Jendi, Investment Manager for Sustainable Manufacturing with the Economic Development Corporation, to learn more. How was it arranged to have all of these delegates come to Kingston? What was the process involved? So the process was um, identifying the uh, top trading partners with Canada as well as historical FDI flow from uh, into Canada from these uh, countries. So we did identify a total of um, 10 countries at the start. Um, most of them are uh, from Europe, two from uh, Japan. We did our outreach. We already had some relations with some of the delegates, some of the consuls, um, but many new friendships and new connections were made. So we did the outreach. We created the program which best fits our two target sectors, which are um, sustainable manufacturing and health innovation. And we we arranged the program, we built the program based on these two um, sectors. And that connects with some of the sites uh, that the delegates toured, um, the, uh, the Queen's uh, cardiopulmonary unit or the, the QCPU, um, Lifecycle Octane, uh, specializing in cell and gene therapy. Yeah. Um, yeah, just tell me a little bit more about what the experience was like for the delegates. So I'll say the delegates were very impressed. Uh, the tour started, um, it was a two-day tour, um, September 1st and 2nd. On the first day, they did um, they did go to, to Lifecycle, which is a real um, inspiration story from a startup to to a multi-billion dollar company within just five to six years, all made in Kingston. They were very impressed by 
the capabilities Lifecycle had compared to conventional battery recycling, which is very harmful for the for the environment, and uh, the ethics, as well as the the way Lifecycle was uh, was developed here in Kingston. The next day, we went to uh, to Queens first, and uh, as you mentioned, Queens got recent funding for their um, uh, carbon to metal coating. Uh, and uh, as well as uh, the healthcare units, uh, they were very impressed by the technology being present there, uh, the equipment available, which they could use it for any partnership uh, between universities, whether from Japan, um, Germany, any uh, Malaysia, they were all interested and in the amount of communication we had, the follow-ups we had after this, uh, after the delegation uh, left Kingston within these two weeks was just amazing. Um, and then of course we went to Octane. They're seeing the, the start of the future of medicine there where you could take healthy cells from a person, develop them in the cocoon, uh, in the cocoon and then they could be implemented back to the person's body to either um, to rebuild an organ or um, any any therapy related matter. Uh, so yes, I mean being part of of the process, seeing it happen here in Kingston, exported to the world, uh, is a big thing. And being in the heart of where all these things are happening, all within fifteen kilometers from each other, is just great. So what would you say is the, the main theme of this delegation? Some of the main takeaways that perhaps uh, came out of it? So I think the main takeaways, many of uh, the delegates were not aware of what Kingston has to offer. And we could also expand that to, to beyond Kingston, Eastern Ontario in general. But many of them uh, maybe knew about Kingston, maybe came to Kingston as tourists, but never really had a sense of the academic scene in Kingston, the startup scene, the kind of innovation, which is really competing on a worldwide level. It's not just in Canada or North America. It's it's globally. I mean, companies as far as Japan, they're aware of Lifecycle. Investors are, are looking forward to, to invest in the expansions that are that are happening and would like to learn more. Uh, so um, I think the tour just served as a stepping stone and laid the foundations for, for future um, bilateral relations between Kingston and all these countries, um, changing the perception. Now Kingston is on the radar. If they get any, any if they get questions, and they often do from companies within their regions looking for sites to expand in Canada or do some R&D work or any specialty Specialty work required, especially in metallurgy, which Queens and the local talent here has been um, very lucky to have since the early early nineties when Alcan set up operations in Kingston. Uh, we we hope that it's gonna get uh, it's gonna put Kingston on the radar. They're gonna be um, conveying this message to their countries, to their partners that Kingston has something to offer. So any company, any foreign entity looking at Canada, now beyond maybe Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, they, they know that Kingston exists now and this is what it offers. So hopefully we'll see more inflow of foreign investment. We already saw some inquiries come in, some connections were made, uh, as I mentioned with Queens, 
we also have some companies looking to set up some some calls just to learn more more information about their specific operations and um, uh, hopefully this would all lead to more investment coming to Kingston as well as supporting our local companies um, uh, expand into these countries uh, so having this connection at a consulate or embassy level is, is just great to have and would really um, I would believe it would shorten the steps and the information required to gather about any expansion or trade um, uh, overseas. So this could really um, ha have a big uh, boost to our local economy. Yes, I mean, definitely. I mean, more foreign investment into Kingston would would technically create more developments. So if companies would need to build these facilities. Uh, people would be required to to build these facilities, and then they're going to be creating jobs in, in Kingston, which would help boost our economy, especially with with the post-pandemic um, uh, recovery that's happening. And these are, we've been very selective with, with what industries are we looking for, especially the ones that align with our um, strategic economic development plan. And these are industries of the future, and we always try to future-proof our talent pool here in Kingston. So it's it's not traditional jobs. It's all um, high-paying, um, future vision industries that are poised to grow, uh, such as biotech and uh, the EV sector. Biotech and the uh, EV, electric vehicles, batteries. Electric vehicle sector. Okay. Yes. Well, and that, and that directly ties with, of course, uh, Umicore's uh, major investment uh, just just to the west of us. Yes. I mean, that's that was just a big win for all the region. And on that point, I would like to maybe highlight opportunities for, um, for companies. I mean, I don't think any other region around the world has this proximity between very high up in the upstream, which is Umicore creating the battery materials and downstream life cycle recycling the batteries after they've been they've been used within a 10 to 15 kilometer um, distance between these two very exciting stuff for kingston well abdul thank you very much uh, for spending some time to talk with me today my pleasure Karim. That was my conversation with Investment Manager for Sustainable Manufacturing with Kingston Economic Development Corporation, Abdul Jendi. This is The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM, cfrc.ca, and on podcast. I'm Kareem Mosna, now passing things over to Zayden with Campus Corner. Hello and welcome to Campus Corner. I'm Zayden Vergara. In today's campus news headlines, Queen's University is hosting two virtual workshops for the creation of the new Wii mural on the south wall of the Ark. The workshops takes place Friday, September 23rd, 2 to 3 p.m., and Wednesday, September 28th, from noon to 1 p.m. These workshops provide opportunities to share stories and moments that make the university community both diverse and unique. To register, please go to queensu.ca principal. The Career Gateway program is removing barriers for newcomers by creating employment pathways and on-the-job learning opportunities. Discussing the initiative, Justine McDonald, the instructor for the Career Gateway program, said that the program is able to create a safe and supportive space where participants can share their challenges, clarify questions, and practice their English-speaking skills. The program takes place over a 12-month period where participants develop in-demand skills, working in teams, and career goal setting. 
Last week, Queen's University hosted the leaders of the Matariki Network of Universities for two days of discussion covering research collaborations, educational and professional development, and network priorities for the next five years. Principal and Vice Chancellor Pratchett Dean, who's also the MNU Vice Chair, said that it's an exceptional partnership and their present and future collaborations will be invaluable to realizing the group's strategic vision for increased global impact. And now over to Dinah Jansen with a conversation with Career Services about some upcoming fairs. Thank you, Zayden. In the next segment, we are chatting with Lilith Wyatt, Events and Employer Development Coordinator with Career Services at Queen's University about two upcoming engineering and technology fairs. Welcome to Campus Corner, Lilith. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. So, Lilith, before we dive in, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Career Services. Um, So my role is to oversee the team who coordinates the job board, which is often the student's first point of contact with career services, as well as employer events that provide students with opportunities like info sessions, fairs, like those coming up. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much. And now Career Services uh, held a career fair via Brazen today until 3.30. But your team is also hosting two more engineering and tech fairs uh, this fall, including one tomorrow afternoon on Thursday. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about the fairs and and what visitors can expect to do there? Yeah, so we're really excited for the fair tomorrow. I think that uh, there are going to be a whole bunch of employers curious to meet students and provide students with opportunities. From a student's perspective, though, I think a lot of students are excited to meet employers and see what's out there, even those who don't already have a career path in mind, um, those who might just want to practice their networking skills or get a sense of summer or part-time opportunities, Mm -hmm. um, not just those post-grad full-time jobs. Okay, thank you so much. And now, uh, is the fair tomorrow online or in person? So tomorrow, on Thursday the 22nd, is online on a platform called Brazen. It means students can register through our website very easily and then access it from their computer device wherever they happen to be, as long as they've got a quiet spot. Okay, and uh, and the one later this fall? So on October 19th, we're very excited to be hosting our first in-person fair in three years, and that will be the, the next engineering and technology fair in Mitchell Hall on uh, on October 19th. All right. Anything else to add before we close? Um, I would just encourage everybody to think of what's in it for them. I think the, uh, the students who don't yet have an answer to that will still find something there for them. Um, it's a great chance to, to just get a sense of what might be out there for you, regardless of what your next step will be after Queens. Great, great. Thank you very much, Lilith. And now over to Chris and Chancellor with more local news highlights. This is Chris, and I'm sitting down with Charlotte Gagne from the Agnes to talk with us about some of their upcoming programming. So would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Charlotte Gagne. I'm the program coordinator at Agnes. So the first thing we were going to talk about were the tours. Um, I think the first tour is the 22nd. That's right. So, yeah, Agnes has free admission, and we invite students and everyone in the community to come and check out our exhibitions. But if you're looking for a guided tour, um, we have a few upcoming options Um, Every month we have a couple tours for the public uh, on Thursdays. So um, as you said, our next one is on the 22nd at 7 p.m. We we decided to start offering tours in the evening because we think, you know, it might be a bit easier for community members and students who have work or class during the day to get out and see Agnes at those times. Um, 
So yeah, these Thursday tours, we're actually going to be looking specifically at the Etherington House and talking a bit about what's going on uh, in the next few years. So um, you may have heard that Agnes is closing on December 4th, uh, and we're going to be starting to build our new future-oriented facility, um, and we're calling that Agnes Reimagined. Um, so naturally, a lot of people are wondering what's going to be going and what's going to be changing. So we wrote this tour along with Agnes's community docents, uh, and it's called Agnes Past, Present, and Future. So it centers on the historic Etherington House, which you can see when you're walking down University Avenue. And it looks at how change and transformation has actually always been at the heart uh, of this home and how we're kind of continuing this practice of reimagining going into the future. Um, so like I said, uh, if you check out our website, you can, you can sign up for this Thursday's tour or uh, any of the other ones we have throughout October and November. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be actually leading the one on Thursday, so maybe I'll see some people. Some oh, people awesome. who are listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you were just sort of getting into um, Agnes Reimagined mm -hmm. and the whole transformation that Agnes is going through. Mm -hmm. um, I know some of your current exhibitions have to do with that, including Transformations, the big graffiti piece. So yeah. do you want to get into that a bit? Absolutely. I think there's two exhibitions I really want to highlight, one being Transformations. So if you've walked past Agnes and um, our conservation on Bader Lane recently, you may have noticed that it's now covered with this beautiful, uh, beautiful mural. Um, so this transformations project was uh, something that we did this summer and fall. We hosted a few artists, Ariah Scott, um, uh, Aaron One, Hone, Hunger, AJ Little, Emily May Rose, and other guests from across like Montreal to Toronto, that area. Um, and they came and uh, did this site-specific commission for Agnes. So that's actually going to be visible um, on the facades of the Art Conservation Building up until next summer. So actually, even past when Agnes closes, you'll still get to go and check that out. Um, and then the other show, which is really related to our closure, is Collections Count and Care. So that's on now until December 4th. And yeah, every couple weeks, every two weeks or so, um, this sort of exhibition switches over so usually exhibitions will be on display for a number of months but this is a very quick turnaround and um, with Count and Care what we're doing is turning our attention to the collection so as we prepare for Agnes Reimagined we're packing our 17,000 works of art and culture um, that are housed in Agnes's vaults um, and so in June we began this process and as we did that the curators and other colleagues at Agnes they started kind of pairing up and like kind of creating different combinations of objects that maybe have never been shown together um, to kind of be in conversation with one another into these little mini exhibitions so uh, yeah in twos and threes these different like stagings kind of take up the space um, and then every two weeks we sort of turn over to a new one so it's really nice because if you're you know if you're on campus and you have like a few minutes to spare you can just pop into Agnes every couple of weeks and you'll see something new and many of these works uh some of these works are our kind of favorites that we we love to see and we would love to sort of say goodbye to before we uh pack them away for a few years um but other works are ones that you know have rarely been shown at Agnes so it's sort of the first time in many years you may you may get a chance to see them um and then in com in a Along with Collection Count and Care, um, myself and, and Maddie Andrews worked on this all-ages activity book, which I think students, I hope, will like. It's it's sort of a an homage to kind of the I Spies and the kind of coloring books that many of us grew up with. And it looks at 
the exhibition and the different themes in the exhibition. It has some information about the collection and it also has like activities like I spy and coloring pages and uh and little prompts that you can do as you go around the gallery so I'd encourage people to check that out when they're here also coming up in the next few weeks you guys host art hive is that weekly or yeah so art hive uh it's a weekly drop-in program for anybody 16 plus we get lots of students we also get lots of community members um, and Art Hive has been going at Agnes since 20, 2019. And I was, before I came in, I was looking up, and we've held over 100 Art Hives since that time and welcomed like thousands and thousands, of, well, thousands at least, of <laughs> students and adults from around Kingston. Um, and for a good number of those, we were actually online. So, something that was really great about, um, you know, uh, something that we were able to do during kind of a pandemic related closures, we, we moved Art Hive online, which kind of continued to offer this sense of community and. Uh, and continuity. So Art Hive is a drop-in art making program. It's for, you know, it's not for, you don't have to be an artist. You don't, you, you can be, you can have any set of skills, um, any level of engagement in the arts. And it's just a time to kind of come into the, to the gallery or come into the, the studio and uh, play and be creative and try out new activities and materials. Um, it's very, it's very loosely guided. Um, Harper Johnston is the, our facilitator and she, is a very experienced educator. Um, she's also an arts therapist and actually just registered as a psychotherapist. Um, so she's uh, she kind of holds the space, welcomes people, and it's really uh, it's sort of art creating um, for wellness. It's it's just sort of you know there's all these stats and research studies looking at how art making can be very therapeutic, and this is just like a great opportunity to set two hours of time aside every week to come in and make art and decompress a little bit. So yeah, there are Thursdays. We're running every Thursday until September, or sorry, until November 17th. And they're from 4 to 6 p.m. So, you know, you can you can pop in at 4, you can pop in at 5. You don't have to be there the whole time. So yeah, I really encourage people to check that out and and just have some fun. Fantastic. And yeah, you can pop in for Art Hive and then stay for the tour. Exactly. <laughs> come this Thursday. <laughs> Definitely. Awesome. So that's agnes.queensu.ca. Wonderful. Where people can head to sign up for all those. And now we're going to throw it to Dinah with the weather. So thanks for sitting down with me. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. And now it's time for the weather outlook for the rest of the week. Tonight, we're expecting partly cloudy skies with a 60% chance of showers and a risk of thunderstorm this evening with wind southwest at 40 kilometers an hour gusting to 60 and a low of 13. Tomorrow, September 22nd, we are looking at a mix of sun and cloud becoming cloudy in the morning with wind southwest at 30 kilometers an hour gusting to 40 in the morning. The high temperature will be around 15 but falling to 9 degrees in the afternoon. And that night, we will have cloudy periods with a low plus 3. On Friday, September 23rd, we're looking at sunny skies with a high of 15. At night, we'll have clear skies with a low plus 4. On Saturday, we're expecting sunny skies with a high of 17. And that evening, cloudy periods with a low of 9. And the outlook for Sunday is cloudy with a 30% chance of showers and a high of 16. And Sunday night, cloudy with 60% chance of showers, low of 11. And now over to Alexandra Fernandez with the City of Kingston Traffic Report. Hi, I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and I am here with you bringing the weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. County Street from Thomas to Adelaide will be closed from Wednesday, September 21st until Tuesday, September 27th. Garrett Street from Division to University will be closed until October 16th. King Street from Place d'Armes to the Tragically Hip Way. King Street from Place d'Armes to Tragically Hip Way will also be closed 
um, from September 22nd to the 23rd. Lower Brewer's Swingbridge will be closed until further notice. Stevens Street from Montreal to Patrick will be closed until October 31st. Stevens Street from Patrick to Cowdy will also be closed until October 31st. And Wright Crescent, which is the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace, will be closed until Jan 31st, actually, for construction staging. Please note that access to Wright Crescent will be through the north intersection of Wright Crescent and Palace Road. The following streets are closed from 8.40 to 9.10 a.m., as well as 3.20 to 3.50 p.m. from weekdays until June for school reasons. From McDonnell Street, we have Earl to Hill, and on Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. Those roads will be closed from 8.40 to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 to 3.50 p.m. from weekdays now until June. The third crossing road work on Highway 15 at Gore is still in action. There will be a paving top layer of John Counter Boulevard, Ring Road and Ascot Lane and signage and flagger will be in place to direct traffic. A lane may need to be closed at the Ascot and JCB intersection. Proper flagging will be in place to direct traffic. Lanes on John Counter will be delineated with traffic barrels until road painting can occur around this area. Causeway removal has started. There is an increase in dump truck traffic on the west side until completion in December. Access from John Counter to Village on the River Apartments is currently shut down until approximately the end of September. Residents have been notified to use the Montreal Street access during this temporary closure to John Counter. Pedestrians will be able to use the temporary access path north of JCB, which will be maintained at all times, and cyclists will be single file on JCB, and proper construction signage will be provided. That's your weekly traffic report for the week of September 19th. I'm Alexandra Fernandez. I am now throwing it over to Dinah with the events calendar, brought to you by Queen's Events. And welcome to the CFRC events calendar brought to you by queensevents.ca. Starting this week, look out for events as part of Consent Awareness Week at Queen's University. The Division of Student Affairs will be hosting an open conversation on sex, intimacy and belonging today, September 21st, starting at 7 o'clock in Banry Hall's Fireside Room. This event is open to all Queen's students and includes free food and beverages. Queen's students and the two LGBTQ plus community are invited to the Banry Centre next to Banry Hall for a drop-in queer crafting event this Thursday, September 22nd, between 11 o'clock and 3 p.m. Get your tickets for this Thursday's Commerce versus Engineering Tricolor Classic Basketball Game happening downtown at the Leon Centre. This event is raising money for childhood cancer research at Sick Kids Hospital. Follow at Tricolor Classic on Instagram for a link to buy your tickets. Lady Boom Boom from Canada's Drag Race is coming to Kingston on Thursday night, September 22nd, for an epic drag show at Ale House. Tickets are $25 in advance or $30 at the door, and the show is 19 plus only. Hosted by Kingston's Rowena Way with performances by Octavia, Tiffany Morgan, Dare de la Femme, and others. And what do eye surgery, 3D printing, giant lasers wielded by robots, dolphins, and World War II bombers have in common? Well, find out this Friday, September 23rd at Ingenuity Labs guest speaker event in Mitchell Hall, room 395 on the third floor. Anyone with an interest in becoming a technology entrepreneur should attend. 
and Kingston Group. The Gertrudes are a unique and experimental folkestra band that have performed at notable festivals like Pop Montreal, Vancouver Folk Festival, and Halifax Pop Explosion. You can get tickets for their all-ages concert at the Isabel this Friday night, September 23rd at 7.30 as part of the Kingston Indie Series at queensu.ca slash theisabel. And you're invited to visit some of the fascinating places, spaces, and stories of our city this weekend at Doors Open Kingston. From 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday, September 24th, and Sunday, September 25th, you can visit heritage sites that are not normally open to the public for free. Find the full listing of participating locations on queenseventsca and to register for these and all upcoming events at Queen's and downtown Kingston, look up www.queenseventsca or follow at Queen's Events on Instagram. That's a wrap for the CFRC events calendar brought to you by queenseventsca. And that's a wrap for our program today. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to follow our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, Stitcher, and more. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.